0: for present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later. The, the Homestormy proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty really much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Watch some TV as you rise and shine. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 154. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Um, and I picked up smoking over the uh, break. I don't know if I had mentioned that on the Facebook page or not, but... Uh, I don't think you did. That's a thing now, and uh, I've developed emphysema already, which I didn't think that would happen for, you know, a couple of decades, but... Well, it
1: certainly give you a more sultry tone to your voice. Mm, I do sound more
0: attractive... Actually, I've never quite understood that sound. Like when they talk about women, like having that smoker (laughs) voice uh, sound to their voice. I thought, no, that doesn't do anything for me. Okay, I want them to sound more feminine, not more manly. (laughs) You don't like the husky female voice? I I guess I don't. Um, I I guess anything husky in regards to women, I would typically. Avoid, you know, if someone's describing a blind date, I'm going on, and they say she's a husky woman. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well. Anyway, w- welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am so sorry for the delays we've had. Um. Th- this one, they they've been on me. Uh, I have been sick uh, for a couple of weeks. Um. I got the the dreaded influenza. <laughs> I made a, a nice trip out to the doctor, who very very kindly said, Oh, yes, uh, you have the flu. And there's nothing I can give you. (laughs) And I was like, Yeah, well, I I guess I kind of figured that. And she's like, Yeah, sorry, it probably cost you 50 bucks to get in here and see me. But yeah.
1: Wow, 50 bucks.
0: I think that's what I pay on my deductive. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it was, uh, you know it's it is what it is and uh oh, hopefully i'm gonna be over it now and i won't ever have the flu again the rest of my life i've had the flu now seems like a safe bet yeah 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 someone was uh i had a client call today and they were saying oh i guess you're gonna be getting the flu shot from now on and i said no i i, I don't see me getting a <laughs> flu shot i mean like the first time i've had the flu in like what 10 years or something i don't oh, know nice I just don't rarely, you know, get sick. So, uh, or I should say, I, I see, rarely get sick. You don't rarely get sick. Um, yeah. So, I, but I did make her give me a doctor's note. Okay. So I got a doctor's note. So I guess I could post that up on the podcast okay. Facebook page to let everybody know I'm, you know, le- legally I, it was. You know, I was sick.
1: You had justification. Yeah. Yeah. At least, there was according cause. to the opinion of one medical practitioner, which <laughs> could have been paid off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no second opinion.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, well, I wasn't letting anybody else probe me with uh, anything, <laughs> so. um Joey, what, anything you need to announce? You, you you know, what did you do during the break? Did you do anything
1: worthwhile? Um I gave two weeks notice at my current employer. What? Are I'm you going kidding me? to work me? with you, Pete. Really? Yeah, you and I are going to work for the same company. That's why I'm sitting next to you all that day. Seems, <laughs>
0: that seems like something you should have shared with me earlier, but I suppose I, if you wanted to save it for the podcast, good I, I for thought you. you'd just,
1: you know, guess by the fact <laughs> that I was sitting next to you. <laughs> oh, no. No, it turns out I'm not that bright. <laughs> Um,
0: yeah, that's going to be fun or potentially damning to the podcast <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. It can only go one of those two ways. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for it cause, uh, you know, you're going to be hanging out with some good people doing yeah, some I'm good code, you know, being a guy who does stuff. That's right, because as we discussed earlier, that's yeah. what I do. I do stuff. <laughs> You're gonna do stuff. <laughs> that, was, that, that was his uh, great uh, job title: guy who does stuff. <laughs> great. If that, you know, if you can, if you can get a job doing that, then it's hey. nice work if you can get it. Yeah. Uh, I got an email here. Okay, from uh, listener M. He says, "Hey." Is Pete having as much fun as I am hearing Joey's aggravation, not knowing where the writers are going in this show? (laughs) It is fun, but I hope Joey doesn't break before the end of four seasons. (laughs) I'll give you a little ray of sunshine. You know, towards the end there aren't going to be as many you know mysteries you know they're they're going to be solving them as we go along it's not going to be
1: lost (laughs) no no it won't be lost wait what happened all this season (laughs) none of the questions are answered (laughs) yeah
0: uh let's see here i had another email i wanted to share uh from john leindecker i don't even remember what this guy's nickname was that we gave him but anyway here's what he says hey pete and joey i haven't written in quite a while but i thought i'd let you know i'm still out here listening and enjoying your podcast um as, uh, are you getting joey's cold or illness um i hope not i'm looking forward to hearing more of your bsg episodes they are great uh to answer your question no i don't think i got joey's sickness so this was something completely different yeah um I think I got Pete's
1: sickness. How did you get
0: my sickness? I don't know. But we had the same symptoms. Um, Yeah, you know, actually, I was sick with two different things.
1: Yes. Um, You were, like, just mending from the one, and then you came down with the other one. (laughs) Yeah, I came down with the flu, which was
0: terrible. Like, it was so awful. Not necessarily the, the congestion and whatnot. It was the fevers. The fevers were the worst part about this whole yeah. experience because I, you know, at night I'm laying in bed shaking and shivering with four layers of clothes, uh, <laughs> of covers on. I've got the heat in the house cranked to 72 and, um, I've got a fever, you know, yeah. so I'm burning up while still shivering at the same time. It's just like... <laughs> I don't know. I I know it's for a good reason. You know that, that we have fevers in our bodies, but still, it was terrible. <laughs> and I had them like for four days in a row.
1: I actually ended up watching uh, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down" with a fever. Oh, which probably was ill advised. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that should that should be fun. <laughs> Anyway, uh, John finishes off his email, uh, which again, sorry that we forgot your nickname if we even gave you one, but glad you're listening still. Um, have you ever listened to the Planetary Radio podcast from the Planetary Society? If not, check it out. I think you'd like it. Happy New Year, John. Um, no, I haven't ever listened to it before. have never even heard of that one. But I think I'll give it a go. I'll listen to it because... Uh, um Yeah, some of the other podcasts I'm listening to um, don't come as often as I would like them to. And sometimes they're a little disappointing. I'm talking about you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) Guy's just phoning it in right now, asking people, hey, what's that miraculous tech thing that you'd love to have in the future? Seriously? You go to Comic-Con and you want to talk to people like that. Or he chooses as a guest Baba Bowie. Oh, (sighs) jeez. Anyway, I digress. Let's move on. Um, I don't think I've got any other emails. Um, yes, Mark, I should be sending out an email reminder and... You didn't, did you? I did. Yeah, I sent it out Thursday. It was basically, okay, let's try this again. Okay. seriously, this time, let's try this. (laughs) Um, yeah, so that's it. That's all the email correspondence I wanted to cover right now. Um... Yeah, I don't have anything else to bring up.
1: I I just have one fun little story. Uh, I recently instituted family game night with my wife and children. And uh, for our first family game night last Saturday, we decided to do Monopoly. Uh, About a year and a half ago, I bought the electronic version of Monopoly so they don't have to play with the paper money. Really? Yeah, it's got little credit card things that you put in a scanner and you punch in the amounts.
0: You're kidding me. No, I'm not. But <laughs> the
1: very one of the very interesting things about it is that there's been horrible inflation in Monopoly because now you get $2 million every time you pass Go. What? <laughs> and all the properties cost several million dollars. <laughs> Holy cow. That has been really bad inflation in Monopoly land. <laughs> but... Uh, we're, we're so we're going around the board, and my and my kids are do, you know they're doing okay. They're, they're you know they're kids. They're not. They don't have deep strategy. But uh, well, before we played this game, I was talking to my wife, and I was saying, you know, my son, he's he's really into Phineas and Ferb, but lately he's been into Dr. Doofenshmirtz, which is the evil scientist, bad guy. Excellent on on Phineas and Ferb. I'm like, how worried should we be that our sons like? favorite thing to talk about after every episode is what did dr doofenshmirtz do in that episode <laughs> and i was like oh you're being an alarmist you're you know just just let the kid enjoy his show i'm like okay know, i just thought it was worth commenting on that this is the thing that he's taking away from every episode is here's what dr doof did so we're we're going around the board and my son lands on waterworks and he says yes and i said oh you you, you really want to get waterworks huh? and he says dad i've been wanting it every time around the board because now i control all the water for all the hotels (laughs) (laughs) and he says if any of you want water you have to come to me (laughs) i'm not sure he gets the concept of this game well you know bless his heart for thinking
0: that ahead but uh wow wow
1: it was pretty funny
0: yeah i i can imagine um yeah, well, uh, you know, as an aside, I used to as a kid, I loved Monopoly so much. I would come home and play Monopoly by myself.
1: <laughs> you play multiple people? No. Oh, you just go around the board by Just and buy the me. Going around the board, accumulating wealth.
0: Well. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, I usually won. <laughs> Did you ever lose? <laughs> not to my knowledge, but still, kind of a sad, you know, comment on my life. But uh, you know, I just loved the idea of you know going sure. around and counting up the money and buying stuff so much. Yeah, that was a real thing that happened in my life. Uh, okay, Facebook find of the week. Yes, um, this week we have as the winner uh, listener Fishhead with Riker Ipsum. Which is the uh, uh, a tool that generates filler text based off of um, <laughs> Riker quotes from Star Trek: <laughs> The Next Generation. <laughs> um, so it, uh, I, sh- I should probably load this up here really quick. Um, you just, you know, you, there's a little plus button to select more, and then there's okay. a, a minus to select less of how much text you want. So I'll push this a couple of times here. <laughs> Oops. And that that's probably good enough. So, here we have... Uh, dang it.
1: So, instead of... Laura Lorem Ipsum, Ipsum D- as the... F- Dolor sit Amet Consectator, we're going to have...
0: Well. I am your worst nightmare. You bet I'm agitated. I may be surrounded by insanity, but I am not insane. <laughs> Flare is what makes the difference between artistry and mere competence. I can't. As much as I care about you, my first duty is to the ship. (laughs) Computer, belay that order. Well, that's certainly good to know. Mr. Crusher, ready a collision course with the Borg ship. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I had tons of fun clicking that plus uh, sign to you know continue to the give me the question is have you actually quotes. used
1: it in a project at work yet no, no.
0: <laughs> i don't think i would ever use it in that way uh but man is that uh, genius whoever came up with that um so uh listener fishhead congratulations for winning facebook find of the week joey yes um oh brainy smurf yeah i forgot i haven't Knick done this for darkness. so long Yes, his Nook of Darkness. Uh, he says, Hello, dudes. I'm still on a time delay until next week. I would imagine he's probably caught up now okay. to, uh, yeah. to
1: everything. We gave him enough time. <laughs> yeah.
0: If he isn't caught up, then you know he's not doing it right. Uh, but Happy New Year to all. What better way to start off a new year than with books? And so, first of all, Joey and or Pete and possibly anyone else in the room, what books are you dudes currently reading? Any
1: recommendations for the new year? Okay, so I am currently reading uh, a few different books. I'm reading... Um the Wheel of Time, the first book, The Eye mm. of the World, for part of a, uh, the home star me is reading it as a group. And then. Yeah,
0: maybe we should re mention that again. Uh, I-, I know we mentioned a while back, but we've actually started now. We're doing a reread of the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan and Brandon uh, Sanderson. Um, but we haven't gotten to the Brandon Sanderson stuff yet. True. And we're just taking a bunch of chapters at a time, kind of rehashing what's been going on and then giving our thoughts and feelings about it. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a fun little reread. Um, this is my first go around of the series. So I, I think I'm due up next to write the next, uh, post. Cause I, I
1: come after Jared. So yep. I, okay. I think I'm, I come up next. Go. Um, good. Cause I thought it was me and I was I was like, when am I going to find time to read the chapters? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I've got the weekend to, to come up with a post. Um, anyway, so you're you're reading that, but you're reading other stuff too. I, right? I'm also
1: reading uh, Warren Ellis's Gun Machine that mm-hmm. was recently released. Uh, I'm quite enjoying that, and I'm trying to remember what's the. There's a science fiction book that I'm reading right now that I can't remember the title of. It's just like a generic. I, I picked it up in the the, the aisle. I, I think it's it's either David Baldacci or um, I can't remember who's the guy who writes the Mitch Rapp novels. It's one of those kind of grocery store science fiction thriller spy novels that uh, I saw it sitting there and it was like three dollars. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> three <laughs> bucks. I could probably get three bucks worth of entertainment out of that. <laughs> awesome.
0: Uh, would you recommend any of those?
1: Um, I I haven't finished the the gun machine yet. I'd, I'd like to finish a book before I say whether or not I'd recommend it. But it will probably come up on Joey's Culture Corner here in the next two or three weeks.
0: All right. Okay. Um, I would recommend the Wheel of Time stuff, but I'm up on chapter, or I'm up on book four now. Um, I just finished book three during the, the You're fevers. You're about to hit the rough
1: spot. Rough spot here.
0: I don't know. <laughs> book two was really pretty terrible. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Um, other than that, I don't think I'm reading anything else right now. So, yeah, sorry. Wheel of Time is what we're doing, so... that's where I'm at Uh, Brainy continues I am recently finished up to current in the Fire and Ice series sometimes George R.R. writes with sublime artistry I have rarely witnessed other times it is so gross I wonder why I am forcing myself to read this crap however I'm invested in two characters so deeply that I am willing to trudge on through R.R.'s sordid lewd and disgusting swamp of dark tendencies joey if you do not care i will discuss the story oh. spoiler style at a later date so let me know if you do but i thought you had uh, abandoned the series
1: yeah I, I i like you i kept asking myself why and finally i said you know what there's no good reason i'm going to stop now <laughs> um i am also finishing up
0: cloud atlas and it's pretty good
1: yeah i've got that in my queue to read uh
0: but for the initial brainy's nook of darkness of 2013 we highlight leviathan wakes by james s.a Corey. i believe it will be the first in a series of three as i began it quickly became one of my all-time favorite books Corey's style harkens back to the old days of classic sci-fi. In this universe, man has expanded only to the limits of our solar system. In addition to Earth and Mars, the belt has become one of the three main pockets of civilization. The three areas have evolved separately to the point that belter babies have unique traits, such as a subconscious tendency to wave their hands weirdly while talking. A, a result of a less-gravity lifestyle. Their skin tone is lightly uh, different due to infant pharmaceuticals. Earthers are considered the stockiest of the bunch because of all that gravity sucking them down. There is some incredible texture provided toward the little details of space travel. For instance, when a ship goes into full burn, they are traveling at such a velocity the body becomes as heavy as 450 kilos. So the people must take a drug called the juice to endure the shock. The juice sends them into this painful hyper frenzy as described by one of the two main characters, Jim Holden. He is the XO of a space vessel. The characters alternate in a George RR style and just Uh, Style of just using the characters' names as chapter titles. The chapter is then told from the character's point of view. Interestingly, there are only two characters that alternate, Holden and a detective named Miller. And that's all I'm going to tell you, because this book rocks. After 30 pages, it is easy to understand why Leviathan Wakes was awarded the most recent Hugo Award. If you like gritty space-based science fiction, do yourself a f- kindness and check it out. So now you have something other than grocery
1: store sci-fi to uh, choose <laughs> yeah, from. Actually, *Leviathan Wakes* is already in my list that I need to read because I was a Hugo voter this year. Oh, okay. And so I got an electronic packet that had all the books that were up for for Hugo voting, and it's it was just too much. I mean, it's. It's a fire hose of of content that they expect you to read and vote on.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, so Brainy, thanks very much. Uh, that's very good to share uh, for us. Yeah, you know, maybe it's something I'll check out sometime. Maybe if, if I still read. <laughs> uh, should we
1: do our top five question thingy? Let's do Joey's Culture Corner first. Joey's Culture Corner. Uh, th- this episode, this podcast, Joey's Culture Corner, is Les Rob, the film version, starring uh, Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe. Et al. Um, so I saw this on New Year's Eve with my my wife's brother and his wife, who had, who knew nothing about Les they, Did your
0: wife not come?
1: My wife, my, sorry, my wife and her brother. Oh, okay. And his wife. Okay. Um, so they didn't know anything about Les Mis. They'd never heard of it before. Wow. Uh, so that, that was kind of an interesting part of the experience was to introduce someone to Les Mis for the very first time. Um, so I'm just going to start off with general impressions. All told, I think it was, it was well done. I'm glad I watched it. It was not out of the park success for me. Um, I specifically have to say Russell Crowe, I think, was a poor decision. Yeah, for the role of Javert. Um instead of playing the role of Javert with passion that rules him, he played him like the robot who's following the list of instructions of what Javert was supposed to do. Uh, I was a little That's disappointed. Too bad. Yeah, I was a little disappointed at the portrayal of Javert. Um the most of the actress actors and actresses had incredible voices. They did a really, really good job. Russell Crowe, again, being the exception that He spoke his lines, I'm guessing, because he doesn't have the best singing voice. Um, I I liked Jackman's portrayal. They made some changes in the lyrics and the, the, the arrangement that I wasn't a huge fan of, but that's because... Like I, I I put that down to okay I have my version that I like that I listen to over and over and over again, and any divergence from that was going to be upsetting to me.
0: Well, would anyone who knows the the music of Les Mis be able to pick up on that, or are you just specifically? I think there's probably
1: uh, most people who are familiar with some version of Les Mis. The second like the second ver- second recording you hear. When you've heard one recording, you've heard it a couple times. You're expecting certain lines to be delivered at a certain pace or the emphasis to be placed in a certain part of the song. And then you hear a different actor or actress doing it and they put the emphasis in a different place. It's always a little bit weird. Okay. And I I don't know anyone who loves the second version the first time around. They usually are like, yeah, I didn't care for that. And I can't put my finger on why. And if they stop and think about it, it's usually because, well, they emphasized it a little more a little differently than the way I'm familiar with. Sure. Um, so there was some of that, and I just said, "Oh, you know what? That's that's just the the way it is. It's I'm okay with that. I, I was able to chalk that up to that and and just kind of look past it. There was a new song, um, which was a song that Valjean sings after he has picked up Cosette from the Thenardiers, mm-hmm. a song that he sings about." What he's thinking about and why he decides not to go back to Javert and turn himself in, so that that's not a song that's been in any of the versions that I've ever seen. It's a part of the story that would
0: help, though. Yes, B- because the you know the the whole lead up to that experience is don't you know Javert? I I'm a man of my word. I'm gonna come back.
1: Yep. And then yeah, I, I'm not I'm not gonna come back. <laughs> so they did they did in my opinion in this song he does a great job of showing the shift in his personality oh now there's this small child that's dependent on me and the emotion that Jackman put into that song i think was great i think he did a, a wonderful job at that I, beca- again because i'd never heard that song before it was very easy to say okay this is my first time experiencing it i'm not comparing it to anything else and therefore i really was able to just enjoy what was that it song. an
0: original song that was like always meant to be in I don't the know. musical or I, have not,
1: I haven't gone to look for any information on okay. on what happened there or if it was just written for the movie. Um, you know, I know Cameron McIntosh was very, very tightly integrated with the production of the movie. And so I suspect that he wrote something there to maybe explain a part of the movie that or part of the play that didn't really come through very well. Okay. Um, what else was I going to say? I, Absolutely amazed by Amanda Seyfried. woman has a beautiful voice. Uh, th- I thought I was going to be more impressed with Anne Hathaway than I was. The, when you hear <laughs> – here's the problem. When you hear Anne Hathaway singing I Dreamed a Dream and you don't see it. And if you've watched any of the trailers, when you're hearing her sing it and you don't see what's going on on the screen – it's it's very emotional and gripping and and it's actually the first time I've ever really enjoyed that song. I usually just kind of sit through that song. And it's because most of the most of the renditions that I've seen of it, it's the soprano playing Fontaine showing off how good her her voice is, how impressive her voice is. And so I just kind of start to tune out a little bit cuz they just go into these soaring soprano notes and I'm I'm not paying attention really to what the what the song is saying didn't ever speak to me. Well, when I heard Hathaway's version of it and she puts emotion into it and instead of making it this beautiful soaring melody, it's very gritty and very heartbreaking the way she sings it. Um, So I was very excited about that. And then I got in there and it's very visually graphic that scene. They're basically showing her being a prostitute and you sit through the whole experience. There's no nudity that I can think of, but it was just very uncomfortable to watch, which I you know, I, I think imagine that's what they were going for. Yeah, the intent, yeah. But it, it kind of killed the enjoyment for me a little bit. I was expecting to enjoy that song a little bit more than I did, and instead I was just kind of... Really? As,
0: as a connoisseur of human suffering, I just assumed you would uh, Be gravitate into that. to that, yeah. <laughs> No, I uh, maybe you just felt too uncomfortable with you with, know the family members, all sitting the other people you. in the room.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, All that being said, I loved the experience. I'm I'm really really glad I went. I will definitely be buying this on Blu Ray. Um, again, I would advise to people who go to watch it just be prepared for the scenes with Fontaine being the most obvious part. But there's some stuff where it's just like, ah, oh, they probably could have done the movie without being quite that graphic. Um, I, and I just want to say, you know, for me, the, the whole entire musical hinges on the moment from when Valjean tells Marius, hey, there's something I have to tell you. I have to tell you the story of my life and why I have to leave. And now you have to protect Cosette from any traces that may remain. Is that the way they start the movie then? No. Oh okay no, it's so for me the i mean you, you go the whole first two thirds of the musical are so, set up for that conversation i see okay and and that's just my and that's because for me that is the part that gets me and it has always been the part that gets me um and then from there to valjean's death uh, th- that whole part I was. Uh, openly admit, I was sobbing. I was tears flowing freely. Mm-hmm. It just, it really hits me very, very hard. I, I, I connect very deeply to that part of the musical. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Thumb up. Just be aware, it is a little bit visually graphic.
0: Um, well, it's, that's yeah, a little disappointing because I was actually planning to to take Beth to go and see. <laughs> The, the movie. I guess maybe I shouldn't now. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to go and see it myself. I'm slow at getting around to going out to see movies, but uh, it definitely is one that I would like to see. Um, I've. It seems. I one of those polarizing movies. Everybody seems to love it or hate it, and everyone's got an opinion yes. on it. Yep. And, uh, like I
1: said, I think most of the opinions probably come from the fact that people are familiar with one particular version. And anytime you change any aspect of that, people get uncomfortable.
0: Well, I, I think uh, some people have been critical of the choice of, okay, we're going to cast an actor in a part that really should be for a singer. Instead of, you know, finding a singer, they found an actor. So which
1: part are they, are they talking about? Crow?
0: Uh, I, he's one of the big ones because uh, I've heard some critique of Anne Hathaway as well. Frankly, really? though, hmm.
1: I, I think as a singer, she did a fantastic job.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've not seen I, I also, any of it, so I, I'm not. I'm not saying any of this. I just know that sure, there has sure. been plenty of, of stuff. And so out I'm just there.
1: trying to help you. I'm trying to set an expectation for you. I I actually ended up going back when I found out Amanda Seyfried was like the teenager, the the older Cosette. I was a little bit concerned about that and I went and did some research and found out that she's actually she like studied opera. That's that her background is opera. Even though, you know, you look at some of the movies and the shows that she's been involved in, you go, really?
0: <laughs> I have no idea who that actress Amanda is. Amanda
1: Seafried, oh well. Wow. So that's all right. Okay. Uh,
0: okay, and nonetheless, thumb up. Um,
1: I I bet people will enjoy it if they go to it. So yeah. Okay. So now we're gonna do our our five questions. The top five villains in movies. Okay, Joey, why don't you go ahead and start off since I don't have a list. Oh,
0: <laughs> you didn't even make a list at all. I sat down here and then I realized, oh right, <laughs> we have to come up with a list of something. Oh well, <laughs> I'll do one on the fly. Why okay. don't you just all go right. ahead and start yours? It'll probably so. Me.
1: Uh, number five for me is General Zod from Superman Two. <laughs> That guy's scared the crap out of I me. Mean, the guy that can beat up Superman? That's yeah, terrifying. Sure. Uh, number four. This is probably going to be a fairly unpopular pick. Jenny from Forrest Gump. <laughs> that woman is to blame for every bad thing that ever happened to Forrest. Oh, my gosh. I hold her responsible for that entire movie. Uh, number three. Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, come on! How can you do those things to George Bailey that you do to the point where you got the man ready to go out and commit suicide? He even, he even suggests it to him. He's like, "By the way, you're worth more al- al- dead than alive." <laughs> pretty, pretty bad guy. Uh, number two, I'm going to give to uh, the Joker from The Dark Knight.
0: Ooh, sure, yeah.
1: And then for number one, I'm going with Hannibal Lecter from The Silence of the Lambs.
0: Yeah, that that's you know, it's got to be one of the pretty bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. I, I can probably throw something together uh, from childhood. I'm going to go ahead and say um, the Wicked Witch of okay. the West. Uh, honestly, till you know my teenage years, I was afraid of that movie specifically because of that <laughs> uh, that uh, character. Uh, let's see here. Number. Let's say number four is. Um. Oh, I, I'm going to go with the uh, uh, the guy from Die Hard. Alan Rickman's character. Oh, okay, yeah, he, he was pretty bad Hans guy. Hans
1: Gruber. Yes, Hans Gruber.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he was a he was a pretty bad guy. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm gonna throw uh, uh, the Joker in there. Um, definitely a pretty terrible or a, an excellent portrayal of a of a horrible person. Person. Yeah. Um, oh, let's see, that's that's only three. What are, what are other good ones
1: out there? I assumed Darth Vader would be somewhere on your list.
0: You know what? Darth Vader really is. Uh, Yeah, good call, Joey. We'll go ahead and throw Darth Vader in there. Um, And intolerance (laughs) from all movies everywhere. The jock who was intolerant. Yeah, the jocks from Nerds. And Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> those guys. <laughs> so no no I give Biff you... from uh, Back to the Future series? No, no. I, I like <laughs> Biff. Uh, yeah, so those are... Okay. Uh, that, that, that's my list. Yeah, I give you four serious and one goofy <laughs> one. Yeah. Moving on to episodes. We are going to cover episodes 9 through 10 of Battlestar Galactica Season 1. Uh, Well, let's go ahead and start off with Episode
1: 9, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. While Boomer and Hilo try to escape the Cylon Dragnet and get off Caprica, intrigue abounds as Commander Adama discovers Colonel Tai's wife among the fleet, prompting suspicions all around.
0: Um, This is probably the best uh, double entendre uh, (laughs) episode title that we uh, have have probably ever had. Um, Okay. and what what an episode this is um i think you mentioned earlier i don't know if we were recording or not but i think you mentioned that uh, you watched us in a fever yeah i actually
1: was just coming out of uh about a hundred and three hundred and four degree fever and <laughs> i was maybe still a little bit delirious uh and this episode just toyed with my head like a kitten with a ball of yarn it, it was great fun all around. Uh, did you like the episode? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't like Ellen Ty. You don't. Okay. I don't. I don't like anything about her on any aspect. <laughs> she's not a physically attractive woman. Oh, you don't think so? I did not think so. Uh, okay. She's obviously rotten to the core, as you know, ethical and moral bounds go. <laughs> Clearly, an alcoholic. Seems like someone, you know, who... And quite obviously, a Cylon. Oh, you're a Cylon. I'm, I'm calling it now. Ellen Ty is a Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> Which means Colonel Ty is a Cylon, because Colonel- only Cylons are, uh, fall in love with each other.
0: Right, right. Okay, okay. Um, okay, uh, let, let's get into the, the heart of the episode. Billy and Dwala.
1: <laughs> no, no, that's not where you were going. Okay. All right. Well, they're,
0: they're they're the second line. The first line I said uh, I I have here is the, the Cylon detector is working. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I don't know what's so funny about that. Well,
1: because he's like Gaius is pondering the the magnitude of the task in front of him. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's like it's eleven eleven. Hours to run one test. The current population count is 47,905 souls. It's like, yeah. Even if I just take a few hours off for sleep here and there, like less than half a year. This is what I don't understand. Why is he having to take time off to sleep?
0: I'm why, assuming why does he that, have to
1: sit there all 11 hours and yes maintain? why does he
0: have to sit there and wait like does he have to be the monkey who presses the next button <laughs> well, like the, the, he can't
1: get a program to do that that was kind of my question too is why does he even have to be gaius at this point aren't there better things that we could put him on because clearly we can't trust him <laughs> <laughs> yeah good
0: point um So, anyway, uh, President Rosalind wants Adama to go first. Yes. And he's a little hesitant about that. And I didn't quite understand, like, why would he have any pushback on that? You know, why wouldn't he be the first guy to to stand up and do it?
1: I think because he wanted her to go first.
0: Yeah, but why the pushback? He's like... Yeah, no, I'm not going to go first. You know, why should I be the the one? He doesn't even put her name out there,
1: really. Well, because he, she's the commander-in-chief, in theory. I, I still have no reason to believe yeah, the yeah. president's not the commander-in-chief. Yeah, yeah. It's just that Rosalind doesn't do a good job at executing that role. So he can't exactly accuse her or say, well, why don't you go first? You know, he has to maintain some kind of decorum, to some extent of it at least. And so I, I, I read in that scene very much that what Adama wanted to say is no, you should be first. I think it's just the writers wanting to
0: continue to toying with the audience. Yeah, to you know, proffer that theory that uh, we Leoban saw there, there. with yeah. Leoben, and uh, I, I don't know. It just didn't seem like it really fit with Adama's character. He's, I agree. He definitely feels to me like the guy who's like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, no problem. I'll okay. I'll go first. I I'll be the one to step into the in front of that bullet or something. Um. Oh, all right. Now we have Billy and D uh, out on a date in the observation lounge. Yeah, which kinda, apparently is
1: makeout central.
0: I I don't know. I it, it seemed weird that they were like, yeah, okay, we'll we'll have this place that you know it's timed and we'll allow people to come through and and, and see this. I, I I tried to get a feeling for. Was this just a, oh, it's a nice touristy thing to do, allow people to come see you know the cool stuff on, uh, on Battlestar Galactica? Or are we trying to create
1: this mood where people are getting <laughs> together and getting together? It, it seemed more like, look, people are going to be getting together. Why don't we give them a nice place to do it? <laughs> so we don't have them doing it in the military bunks. Because Galactica really is a military ship. There's probably not a whole lot of nice civilian-y kind of places around. Sure, yeah. I I think it's just setting aside a part of the ship and saying, uh, look, we know what's going to happen. Let's at least confine it to this space over here. And just so anyone who hasn't seen the episode, it, we're not
0: talking that this is like some big orgy place where <laughs> everyone. That's the only place that the people it's more come like a to swingers copulate. party
1: where everyone's paired up. No,
0: <laughs> that is not it. Um, it just it's they're creating this romantic atmosphere for uh, for people. Anyway, Billy and D, um, or as I like to call them, Billy D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. I really uh, want to apologize to everyone for that. Thank you. Um, Apology not accepted. <laughs> <laughs> so, Billy and Dee are on this date, or the information gathering
1: <laughs> Yes.
0: setting. I, anyway, it, Billy seems to be on a little bit of a mini mission. It's clear he likes duala mm-hmm. but he also seems to have this uh, ulterior motive, which is to get information and d kind of picks up on it and she says are you pumping me for information <laughs> and uh you know yeah he pretty much is it is a little bit yeah and uh that's where we find out that adama is acting pretty weird yes doing some things that are not according to the book um flying off without a flight log uh, about where he's taking going. secret phone calls which the whole flight is log the eight thing? And a
1: half minutes missing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the flight log thing doesn't seem legitimate to me because clearly they can track yes. every ship that is out there, and so they can say, "Okay, fine, you're not going to log a flight uh, plan, but We're we just saw you. that you went. We can see your signature go to that ship right there. Well, maybe he will log it for you." The other way. Oh yeah, it, who, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, I, I personally found it a bit silly, um, but it does introduce the fact that you know Commander Adam is acting a little odd again, playing on the this idea that hey, he's a Cylon. Yep. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we cut back to um, Gaius, whose question to Six is: Is suicide a moral sin? And it's, it's kind of a valid question there because, uh, I, I, I think that in his situation where he's at <laughs> right now, the, what he is facing with those huge numbers, that is pretty <laughs> prohibitive. You know, there,
1: there's a lot of despair there. It, it,
0: it, it uh, is not something that's going to be fun for him it's going to be pretty probably tedious and boring. Um, the, the the question of suicide uh, you know euthanasia kind of thing we we've we've discussed before but i don't know that we've ever asked about from our personal religious perspective is suicide considered murder within the mormon church and i don't know that it is i know it's definitely frowned upon yeah it's not as harsh as what the catholic church is where they do consider it a moral sin, and you're going to hell. Yeah. You know, probably, you know, akin to murder. But in our church, I don't think we've ever, I've ever heard it classified as harshly as, you know, right there with murder. I don't think I've ever heard it from uh, an authoritative source that it is that way. And I thought I'd ask you if you I've never
1: heard anything like that before either. There, uh, The only thing I can give you as a point of reference is from my own personal suicide attempt and in talking with with my bishop and the stake president who's a a local local authority um they did make it pretty clear to me that it's seen as uh, it's not right it's not
0: okay for sure but did they go so far as to say you know we're gonna go ahead and classify this just as bad as yes pretty much yeah Hmm.
1: he said it's as you've taken a life that's what he that's even he if said. it's just your own, you right. you still. I mean, he have. didn't he didn't use the words. It's as bad as murder, but what he said is you've taken a life, and, right. and the implication being, taking a life is taking a life, whether it's your own or someone else's. He he equated them the same. Now I don't know that he was getting any kind of guidance or referring to any kind of you know official opinion on that, mm-hmm. but that was certainly the words that he was using as, as speaking to me and in me trying to deal with what I'd been through. Right.
0: Right. He probably shouldn't try and heap a lot of, uh, you know, the guilt of committing another sin <laughs> on, on top, top of, of a guy prison. who's already yeah. depressed. <laughs> so I hope he didn't do that. Um, anyway, there are tons of blood samples, and Gaius and Head Six decide to <laughs> indulge themselves <laughs> again, and it manifests into, well super guy is taking things into his own hands yes. and the door opens and he doesn't realize <laughs> and so unfortunately for uh starbucks she has to walk in on that particular scene and recognizes it for what it exactly was. what it is yeah uh, is it wrong that i kind of thought is that the way it always is when head six and Gaius start to get it on is <laughs> <laughs> it just i just i'm gonna leave that question alone
1: i guess we're not gonna Gaius is handling things yeah um it was very funny to see from the the uh kara's point of view with the head six there bent over the table and stuff. <laughs> it's just like how does Gaius have a re- a normal conversation with anyone ever? <laughs> how can he so manage to awkward. look anybody else in the face?
0: <laughs> you know, especially, you know, the uh I think it was last podcast it was like, Oh, you can all see her. <laughs> it's like how do you know how do you walk away from that with any amount of like, yeah, okay, people see me wait, as wait, normal. Wait. Are, are you seeing
1: her right now? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um a- anyway the uh i can't even remember what starbuck does i think maybe she says he's got a phone call or something she's asked him
1: to zip up his fly
0: no but the reason that she came into she was, the room she
1: was looking for whether or not he'd run her sample yet oh i see okay um but really it was just an excuse for her to walk in on him
0: yes for which I'm actually okay this time that you know we're we're using uh, Starbucks we're you know pigeonholing her in <laughs>
1: uh, I'm okay with that. that that's fine with you
0: yeah um at which case I think he does take a phone call from the president at that point and she nope, says later. later
1: well she took a couple didn't he I thought the it was right at the beginning the- that he had told uh, the phone call from the president where he said he's like. You know the lab, Doctor Baltar is speaking, or something like that. It's actually later. It's after okay, that. Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, so we do have uh, my next scene. Uh, Colonel Ty pours out his last drink. Yes. He doesn't take it. He actually just pours it out, throws the bottle away, and so we all cheer. Yes. And say, oh, fine. "Yes, all right, good for you, Ty. Things are going to get better for you." <laughs> uh, too soon. Um. And uh,
1: next we have an enemy raider shows up. So this, this is very, very crafty by the writers here. I mean, this is a great way to throw us all off the scent of, of what is actually going on in this episode. Because no matter, no matter what actually happens in the episode, we still can't explain the behavior of this one Cylon raider. Right. It was behaving very, very erratically. It was toying with the fleet. Uh, at, at the end of the episode, it, it takes a turn and decides to go for a suicide bombing run. You know, it's going to crash into Galactica, and luckily, it's blown out of the sky before anything happens. But right, it it comes across very strongly as though this raider is trying to distract the people in the fleet from something else that's going on. With the likelihood being, okay, it's either that Adama. Is a Cylon, <laughs> or it's that Ellen is a Cylon? <laughs> I think I've already made it clear where I stand. Yes,
0: on that y- one. you have, you have. And matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that's part of you know one of the the final five questions this week. Okay. Um, but um, the enemy Raider shows up. Adama is not on board the ship, and so Colonel Ty is left there to try and deal with it. Yeah. Turns out everything goes okay. They wound it. It's flying around erratically, and we decide that uh, okay, we're just going to track this thing and see what it does, and see if we can get some information out of it. You know, by uh, listening to the um, the the radio signals that it tries to to put
1: out. And they're they're trying to figure out radio signals,
0: but just signals in general. Yeah, electromagnetic
1: emissions. Yeah. Um, They're they're specifically interested in the faster than light technology that the Cylons are using.
0: Um so next we have uh Commander Adama coming back on board. Back on Caprica, oh (laughs) Um, we have uh his ship coming on board and we see just a pair of legs legs and a red dress. Yeah. Which again, a little curveball of the they're trying to throw. Oh hey,
1: he found six. (laughs) Yeah. He found Shelly Gunthrey. Nope, it's a different hot blonde yes, It's a
0: different blonde. I actually find her attractive hmm, okay you know i I know she's a, a little bit older. she's not six uh, but I still think that she it's clear they chose her for her looks because she's definitely got a certain look about her and
1: does nothing for me
0: no it's I don't know that it necessarily is supposed to do anything for you, certainly gonna do plenty for Colonel Ty yeah. But it shows the type of of woman that she is. And uh, I I think they chose that particular actress. Um, But, yep, we'll find out it's Ellen Ty, And, uh, you know, um, Commander Adama cancels his test to have Ellen Ty's blood tested. No, the president canceled it. Huh. He canceled his own to have hers done. He canceled his own, which is why she was so annoyed and came back aboard the ship to say, What in the world is going on? Why are you canceling your? And it, it fuels her okay. um, that feeling of, Wait, he maybe is Asylum because he doesn't really want to get scanned. He doesn't want to be found out for what he is. Hmm. That, that, okay. that, that, I know that, that happened. One. I know the, <laughs> the timeline on that one is, is definitely right. right. Um,. Ellen can't remember uh, the last few weeks, or at least she's only been conscious for a few days for a short amount of time. I don't know if it was a week or or what, but she hasn't been aware of everything that's been going on. It's just all of a sudden, boom, this woman is here, adding someone adding to the mystery
1: on the ship. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. She was on, I think she says she was on the planet PyCon. And she had been knocked unconscious. Someone put her on board that ship. She manages to get uh, out with the, the rest of the fleet. Um, and has no memory of anything that's going on. Nobody else seems to really know who she is or where she came from. There just seems to be no history or information yeah. about her uh, fueling that mystery. Um, the uh, The president brings... Uh, I think it's during this time period that he brings, she brings Colonel Ty onto her ship and starts yes. questioning her, him, him. Thank you about what's going on with Commander Adama, yeah. and she says, "Well, you know, did did you know that uh, he canceled his his test?" And he's like,
1: "Well, yeah, he probably is testing my wife." No, no, no. Um, what, what, he, what he said is, uh, she, she was saying, did you know about these secret phone calls and, and the mission without the flight plan? He says, oh, yeah, I know right. exactly what he was doing. Right, right. It was my wife. Because he doesn't find out about the blood test until the very end of the episode.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, we have this back and forth with Gaius on the test. And I got to tell you, I feel for Gaius. (laughs) That is the worst position to be put in by two people who technically kind of are in charge of you. Yeah. And so who's actually really in charge? It is an incredibly frustrating feeling. (laughs) And, you know, it's in my current employee, I've kind of felt that a couple of times. And so I finally had to get that all spelled out by my supervisor so that I knew exactly who it was. You know, where the hierarchy was structured uh, so that I
1: didn't go crazy because that's not fair to the worker. Well, in my job, when I've when I've historically had that happen, what I say is you need to go talk to this other person. And when you two get it figured out what I should be working on, let me know. Until then, I'm going to work on the thing I'm currently working on. You guys get get between yourselves, and then both of you come and tell me that you've reached agreement, (laughs) and then I'll change. (laughs) That's gutsy, because that
0: that may not work
1: out as well as you think it might. (laughs) It's it's historically worked pretty well for me.
0: (laughs) Actually, you know, I had a thought. Boomer's test didn't take that long. Yeah, it didn't take 11 hours. It really didn't. I guess maybe it was, you know, it was before they had officially said we have the test ready. So maybe, you know, he's not. You know, maybe there was some different step he added in there. I, I think the step something. that he added
1: in there was to make them all come up green. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> not sure why that takes 11 hours, but sure. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. The dinner scene in Adama's quarters. For me, absolutely one of the hilarious moments. <laughs> So far of this series, because it's just a, a comedy that y- you feel so bad for Colonel Ty in that situation. Yeah. I mean he's drunk out of his gourd. You know, feel bad for him there because he's 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 back to drinking because of his wife, and she's you know a getting hussy. all touchy feely. And she is just this I don't think she she's a very intelligent person. No. I don't think she has anything really to add to the the fleet in general <laughs> except for potentially baby making. Baby making abilities. <laughs> and even that you know i don't know how old she is so maybe she is past her prime and you know she's just using she's heavily makeuping herself to yeah.
1: to look younger plus she's a cylon
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, but still the the dinner is absolutely hilarious it finally ends and president rosalind's comment is you actually think that woman is a cylon <laughs> um because the the President thinks that she's a buffoon, yeah, doesn't think that she's worth anything at all. yeah,
1: I thought it was interesting that uh, Ellen didn't know Zach was dead, so we find out just how estranged he has been from his wife for several years, yeah, uh-huh, because that would have been a very important event that would have at some point come up with his wife if they're communicating at all yeah and and so it gives us some insight maybe into their their backstory a little bit. Yep, good point. It's a a, a very deft way of sh- showing us that without telling us explicitly what was going on there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's actually a really good point, Joey. Um, so we have uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, my next comment is again furthering you know how much of a mess Ellen Ty is. <laughs> yeah, uh, because you know they she wants to continue the party. She yep. thinks life is just one big party, 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 and you know she she says what we all know, which is that Commander Adama has no idea where Earth is, <laughs> uh, and she's you know, giving him a hard time uh, uh, about it. Yeah, and uh, you know she's putting uh, Colonel Ty in an awkward position when they're. Out there in the hallway, cavorting.
1: When he won't just throw it all away and and eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die kind of thing, uh-huh. her response is to try and turn him against the military by saying, well, you know, Commander Adama's been touching me.
0: Yeah. And she just seems to want to make trouble and cause discord. Yeah. Um, w- which isn't going to be helpful, really. Uh,
1: I thought it was very interesting, the interaction between Ellen Ty, Gaius and Head Six there in the hallway, as Head Six is very fascinated with what's going on yeah. with Ellen. Head
0: Six makes is fascinated by two particular people. Well, not necessarily fascinated, but she shows interest in two people. At the beginning, at Starbuck. Yes. When she's leaned over the table, she's saying, you're right, guys, there is something intriguing about her. Yeah. And then the second time is where she kind of gives a warning. says... Does she say that woman's going to be trouble? She says, watch this one closely. Right, right. Yeah, so it's that's, that's cool. I enjoy that bit of mystery that they're kind of throwing in there.
1: And yeah, it's, that, that was the perfect opportunity for them to tell us, yes, she is a Cylon. <laughs> and they punted on it.
0: I don't think, well, I don't think she necessarily has to be a Cylon in order for that Line to still be a a force and strength because... But if
1: she's not a Cylon, she's clearly just not another human. Wow. You just dismissed her humanity. I don't think she is human. Well... I mean, even if she's not a Cylon, she's some other third party. You're not even... So... If she's not a Cylon, she's some new
0: third thing that exists out in the universe? She's not even human? Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay, good for you for that amount of, <laughs> of hatred for Ellen Ty. Well, no, it's not hatred. It's not hatred. I. It's what I got out of the way. I'm interpreting the clues that were given in episode. Hmm. Um. So the Raider makes a suicide. Maybe she's the Ink Monster. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> the Raider makes a suicide run, and uh, Commander, uh, excuse me, Colonel Ty makes a, a call early. Yeah. And is able to save, you know, part of the ship, um, and the the raider is
1: is blown up. It was his Cylon nature that warned him. Yeah,
0: I still don't get why. What, what was the point of the raider, like flying around
1: all this time? Because what would it? What was it gathering? It wasn't gathering anything. It was trying to split the attention of the powers that be, so they'd be. Even if it's just the back of their mind, they're wondering, worrying, thinking about what's going on with this raider out there, then they're not fully paying attention to what's going on around them, and Ellen Ty is then able to insert herself into mm. the power structure without too much attention.
0: So you think that there's some sort of communication happening with the Cylons and the human fleet?
1: Yes. Okay. Well, okay. with the Cylons embedded in the human fleet and the Cylons elsewhere.
0: Okay. okay. And I
1: think it's the uh, the the wireless connection that they use to resurrect themselves, plus the chip in Gaius's head. Okay. Still a chip, huh? Still on the chip. Still on plate. the chip. Okay.
0: All right. Uh, we cut away to Cylon-controlled uh, Caprica. Carl G. Agathon. John, thank you so much for, for that joke, by the way. That's awesome. It's the gift that keeps on yeah, giving, it isn't really it? really is. <laughs> um, and, and
1: sometimes they don't put it up for quite a while, and I keep thinking, okay, is this going to be the one where it stops? Nope, nope, there it is. <laughs> just be patient. Just be patient. Um,
0: so the Cylons have a discussion about feeling love. Yeah. And I can't remember what that guy's name is. Mm, call him the PR officer. Yeah, PR bot. Um, he is genuinely unfeeling.
1: Yes, he seems yeah. he
0: doesn't care about the humans at all, one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, just no opinion or no feeling. Towards Whereas them. six
1: seems kind of jealous and spiteful.
0: Yeah, bitter. She wants it, but she doesn't want it. Yeah, and it's very, very interesting to see those different things coming from basically the you know the the Cylon models. Yeah,
1: it's very very cool to see. I enjoyed that, and Boomer clearly has gone native at this point. Um, Are we? Hold on. Never mind. I'll wait till the next episode to ask this question. Okay. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, she's she's on the run. She's trying to get him away, and you know they're they're not. I
1: I like that. uh, Hilo is starting to become aware. Look, things are adding up for me here. He says. I've killed lots of Cylons before and they didn't deploy this massive dragnet. What's going on? And why aren't you getting tired? Why are yes. you able
0: to keep going? And her response is adrenaline. Yeah. Well, okay. Adrenaline goes for only so long. And then after three <laughs> days, you know, that should wear itself out. But uh, yeah, uh, she's gone native. It's a good way to put it. Um, so the test comes back negative. She's not a Cylon. And uh, head six asks the question, "What did her test really say?" And Gaius says, "I'll, I'll never, never tell." I'll never
1: tell. And I love the scene, the way they, the way the director uh, blocks this scene out, where you have the the I think if I remember right, it was Ty and Ellen on Gaius' left. And the president and Commander Adaman on Gaius is right, and then Gaius kind of sitting in the middle, spinning around in his chair with his head back, <laughs> kind of being
0: loopy. <laughs> it was so funny to see that because everybody just ignores him. Yep, there is nobody in that room, but you know <laughs> he is lost in his own little world. It looks amazing. It is very very well well directed in that scene. Uh okay, uh let's see here. I don't have any other comments, did you? Nope. Alright, let's see if we can get some uh emails then. Uh let's do my friend John Manson. Oh. He says Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. When I was a kid, I caught part of the movie Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down on Cinemax. It was quite illuminating. <laughs> <laughs> You can imagine what it might have been about. Uh, Kate Vernon plays Ellen Ty, but she is best known, in my opinion, as James Spader's bratty and evil girlfriend, Benny, in Pretty in Pink. Her portrayal was the evil girl at high school who was easy to hate, and you'd never tell her because she's so scary. Uh, We never see Ellen Ty again, so I'll stop talking about her. Really? Really? That surprises me. All right. Let's see here. Listener Bob. Is John screwing with me? <laughs> we really don't see Ellen Ty again? <laughs> How would you like me to answer that question? Truthfully, please. I'm sure you would. Okay. Uh, oh, wait, you're
1: saying you're sure I would like you to answer it? <laughs> that yes. Again? There you go.
0: <laughs> Took you a second, but you <laughs> got there. <laughs> yep. I'm a jerk. So is John.
1: Uh,
0: Okay. Listener Bob says, Hi, fellas. Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year to you as well, Bob. Yeah. All the Bobs. (laughs) The entire Bob family. Yes. Um, I hope all is well. We had a fairly quiet New Year. I had time off work and spent most of it indoors on a couch watching Lord of the Rings. Nice. Happy days. Um, Have you guys seen... Uh, the Hobbit or Le Mis? If so, what did you think of both?
1: I'll be covering The Hobbit next podcast.
0: Will oh, ya? Yeah. Okay. And we covered uh, Les Mis. I haven't seen it yet. I have seen The Hobbit, and I did enjoy it. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll stop there. You know, okay. we've answered his question. Uh, both SpongeBob and I have seen The Hobbit. I saw in 48 frames per mm. second, 3D, which looked very impressive but is more suited to a wildlife documentary rather than a feature film. I'm not a big fan of 3D, but in 48 frames, it looks pretty good, and I
1: don't get a headache. My brother said the same thing. He gets in, My my brother, my wife, and I all get intense headaches in 3D films. He went to see The Hobbit in the 48 frames per second 3D and said, yeah, for some reason, I didn't get a headache. Hmm, so I don't know what the difference is, but apparently it does Might make Might be a the difference. frames per second. I, I don't know why that makes a difference, but... Apparently, it helps people who have, get headaches from the 3D. Okay,
0: continuing. The Hobbit itself was excellent. It's not a on par with Lord of the Rings, and you would be foolish going to see it expecting the depth of Fellowship of the Ring. It's definitely lighter in tone and has been adapted as a prequel to the films. So many themes and character crossover. I guess it was, it isn't that faithful to the book, but I can forgive Peter Jackson. He's very good at what he does. I look forward to the next two films and the large box set that will follow after to complete my collection. <laughs> Just imagine that marathon. Yeah. We are still uh, waiting for Les Mis to come out next week. Not enter- entirely sure when we will be able to go and watch it. Um, actually, he's already seen it. I know because okay. he had posted on Facebook his own personal uh, feed, uh, and I think he said he liked it. Though, Bob, you know, feel free to correct me if I was wrong about that. Okay. Um, a note on BSG before I go on to the episodes. SpongeBob and I spent most of December finishing off BSG. Oh, wow. So I am aware of what happens... But will not divulge anything. <laughs> Whatever happened to that foreboding bell that was used during Babby Five? I can't bring be it back I here. Don't, I
1: don't. I don't know. I can't tell you when I'm being foreshadowed. So I just ding it every time we mention a Cylon's name. <laughs> yes, the Cylon bell. That's what it should be. Is when we have a new Cylon.
0: Uh, the revolving door of what you th- who you think are Cylons. <laughs> Because I guarantee you, it's going to change, buddy. On to the episodes. So, Ellen Ty shows up, and what a flirt she is. How did the good old Colonel bag someone like her? Is she a power-grabbing seductress, or is she attracted to a man in a uniform? Regardless, good on him. I still think Baltar is a wonderful character, and his interactions with number six are becoming increasingly brilliant and inspired. The whole (laughs) plot around the Cylon Detector is mildly amusing. I felt the whole plot on Caprica to be dull and uninteresting. But understand the importance of it. Mm -hmm. Edward James Olmos directed this and a straight-to-DVD movie called The Plan, which focuses on the
1: plan of the Cylons. I have the movie, but have yet to watch it. Okay, when you watch it, try and figure out to tell me when I can watch it because that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I'll give this a
0: lukewarm 7 mainly in retrospect it is an important episode. Okay. Okay. Bob, thanks very much, man. Um let's see here. Oh, I just we literally just got an email from uh, Brainy Smurf, he says, I, so I haven't read this. Uh, dudes, in the off chance that this email makes it in time, I want to say hello from my new Internet HQ. Oh. I hope the podcast goes well. I think it uh, it will. Um, sorry for the typos in my other email from ages hence, but currently exactly now, I just finished watching the live series finale of Fringe, and let me just say mm. hoo ha Next week, I'll say a little more about um, uh, a little more about Leviathan Wakes, book one in the series The Expanse. Also, I thought I would quickly allow whomever to receive my songs as long as they swear allegiance to the Bray Nation and its parent <laughs> entity, Trequest Five G. <laughs> also, also, Joey, you want to do another nook? of Corner on American Gods? Sure, that'd be great. Okay? Yeah. Uh Guymon, is that stuff. a book or is it's, that movie? It's a book, Neil Gaiman. Okay. Science Neil Simpson. Diamond wrote a book. Gaiman. Oh, Gaiman. That would be more interesting if you guys covered
1: a book by Neil <laughs> by Diamond. Neil Diamond. Would we have to sing it? <laughs> At some point someone should sing something. I can sing Neil Diamond songs. They only have 3 notes in them.
0: <laughs> and the man has managed to make a, an industry out of it. Uh let me know when um if so well on W
1: the show. On with the show. All right. Hey Brainy, thanks very much, man. man. Well, uh, uh, we'll... I, I sorry, like I mentioned, I already have the Hobbit planned, but after that we could do American Gods if it works out for him. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that if uh,
0: if he's okay with that. Uh okay, let's go into Brainy's real email uh with comments here. Uh he says enter Ellen Ty." do you dudes hate her yes (laughs) well i find her to be a refreshing (laughs) train wreck of a character (laughs) how long before she fracks billy the cylon if she hasn't already is she a cylon yes i don't know but poorly i love uh how she and saul uh are the galaxy's most dysfunctional in (laughs) the interdependent relationship Caprica is getting interesting as well as the boomer bot appears to be defecting, and leave it to Gaius to make the testing easier for all. Green results for everyone. <laughs> the music being played in Gaius's lab in this scene is Bear's composition titled Battlestar Operetica. The lyrics are in Italian but translated on the wiki page. So, Pete, if you will please sing this operatically. <laughs> i was going to like when i first read through this i was like i bet i could probably do this and so i did it kind of in my head but now when i have to try and do this i don't think i can oh, i don't think it, it would on, be Pete, terrible do
1: it. It, it'll be terrible but we'll love the terrible <laughs> love it.
0: all right um uh <laughs> i can't do this I have inside my head the way that I hear opera to go, but I can't translate that out into the actual singing. (laughs) Just pick a tune and go with it. (laughs) Woe upon your silent heart, there's a toaster in your head, and it wears high heels. Number six calls to you. The Cylon detector beckons. Your girlfriend is a toaster. Woe upon your Cylon heart. Alas, disgrace. Alas, sadness and misery. The toaster has a pretty dress. Red like its glowing spine. Number six whispers... By
1: your command. <laughs> now, I wasn't laughing at the singing. Those were funny words. <laughs> <laughs> they really are.
0: Uh, sci-fi eight, TV eight, and uh, you're a jerk for making me do that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but a brilliant jerk, brainy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. There we go.
1: Ah. <sighs> science fiction rating pete
0: i gave this three weeks ago (laughs) a six for science fiction
1: i don't know why i gave it a six but
0: i'm gonna stick with it because that's what i wrote
1: in in the in the throes of a fever, I, I gave it a seven in, in oh, science okay. fiction. It may not have actually been that good. I may have been hallucinating things that didn't happen in the episode.
0: Well, I guess we, you know, we we have the Cylon detector getting used. We see the um, enormity of, of you know having to do this big massive test. Well, I
1: thought the the whole thing with the Cylon Raider flying mm-hmm. around and and the way it was like leaping in, but it was only leaping like just a little bit. It was popping in and out all the yeah, way around. I thought that the, was kind of entertaining.
0: Yeah, but it, it I guess entertaining is true, but it didn't really make any sense to me. Well, I, I don't personally put it together. I know you gave that you know completely plausible reason why it would be doing that, but still, it just didn't make sense the, to me.
1: The, the other thing that was interesting to me <laughs> about it from a science fiction aspect is clearly the, the Cylons can jump a lot more often than every three, 33 minutes. Yeah. No, because it was popping in and out a lot in a it, very compressed. It, it wasn't
0: of time. that they are, could only jump every thirty-three minutes. It, it was, takes them
1: thirty-three minutes to calculate anything.
0: No, it was the fact that they were. That's how long it took them to find them to jump after them. It doesn't actually. They we never actually had mm. them say they can only jump every thirty-three minutes. It was that's how often they were coming after them. Except, Every three minutes, thirty-three ex- minutes they were coming out. As
1: soon it. as they landed, and at least one of those jumps, as soon as they landed, they started the calculations for the next jump. And when the Cylons showed up, the calculations weren't done yet. I don't remember that. Okay, I don't remember that.
0: Um, but I, the discussion about the feeling of love—that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that okay. part of it. So maybe that's where I'm giving most of my sex. Uh, for TV, I gave this an eight because wow. it was an incredible train wreck, and I enjoyed every second <laughs> of it. Ellen Ty is a screwed up person, and she is doing exactly what she is supposed to do as that character. So I I really enjoyed it, and it was funny. I was laughing <laughs> it all over the place in that
1: episode. I actually I rarely laughed in the episode. I found it uncomfortable. You were in a fever. You were in a fever. Um, I'm actually referring to the time I watched it again (laughs) last night, uh, whereupon I gave it a science fiction rating of four. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, both times, I gave it a television rating of two. Oh, I didn't like this episode. That is, I don't like Ellen Ty. I don't like watching her. I don't like watching what she's doing to. Colonel Ty, who I didn't even like anyway, that tells you how... He may, she makes him likable, doesn't he? <laughs> doesn't she? Like, uh, she, she made it at least... Turn pitiable? Re- yeah. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say likable, but pitiable. That's how bad... That's how messed up she is, <laughs> is that she made me feel sympathy for Ty. <laughs> Moving on to our next episode, Hand of God. The fleet is desperately low on fuel, and Starbuck isn't able to lead the mission to raid a Cylon fuel depot.
0: All right, I love this episode.
1: Really? It's in- I was surprised.
0: It's intense, it's in your face, it's uh, It's so
1: Starbuck heavy.
0: Uh I didn't really see it as Starbuck heavy. Okay. I just saw it as a, a cool action
1: uh, It is very much one of the more action episodes we've seen so far.
0: Um I saw this also as about present Rosalyn with the as she starts to go down the the crazy road. <laughs> um And how that weaves itself into the mythology of this prophecy,
1: the Pythia prophecy. The very interesting thing is for them to actually tie Gaius into that.
0: Did they tie Gaius into this? I should mention, I watched the previous episode, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, I watched it last night. I did not rewatch this episode, hmm. so I'm missing out on you know I'm, I'm not going to be as sharp on on some of the facts with with this particular episode. You know, matter of fact, I was reviewing my notes beforehand. <laughs> I was saying I have no idea why in the world I wrote these notes. I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, you'll have to
1: kind of explain how Gaius is well supposedly. Actually- the- At the end of of the episode, it it ends with uh, Head Six and Gaius talking at at some mountain retreat. And she starts talking about, are you familiar with the prophecies of Pythias or Pythia? Uh And he's like, no, you know, I wasn't really good at that part of school. I didn't really care for it. And so she starts talking about the same book of scripture that Rosalind's kind of – seems to be living up to. And quotes a couple of verses that heavily the way 6 is presenting it heavily implies that Rosalind and Gaius are going to be battling for control of humanity's fate. Oh really? Yeah. I have to
0: rewatch it. That's, uh, that makes it even more interesting to know that. Ah, that's cool.
1: Uh okay, so we have fewer- and, and it will happen when they get to Kobol. That's what she says. Well, she says you will be battling her. I can't remember exactly how she says it, but it's, at the home of the gods. Okay, and I'm like, oh, that's Kobol, right? That's that's where they believe the. Yes, the Lords of Kobol,
0: right? Yes. <laughs> okay. I actually, I honestly have no memory. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I can't answer that even
1: trickily. I, I, for so you. I'm 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 just trying to I'm trying to interpret. Fictional scripture. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Without knowing the whole religion that it's based on. But it's that's just, what I came away with.
0: You're doing just as good a job as regular scripture, Joey. So oh, gee, yeah, on you go. On you go. Uh, okay. So into the episode, we begin with the fuel shortages. Five percent tillium
1: remaining. Because they spent so much looking for Starbucks. We're at, well, also the jump every 33 yeah, no, 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 minutes probably used
0: up some of that as well. But you know it's tough because they're basically coming down to the point of we're going to have to make one final jump, and let's hope it's near a planet or some sort of place that we can get yeah. resources from. Real world issue here. I'd be scared out of my my head <laughs> if I'm in this fleet, not on uh, Galactica, but one of the other ships that has no control whatsoever with what's going to go on and relies so heavily on Caprica or on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I'd be scared. I, you know, there may be riots going on personally.
1: I I thought it was very interesting because the president's holding a press conference about this. Ah, yes, that seems like an important need to know kind of secret piece of information. Exactly how low we are and that we don't have a very good strategic plan for what happens if we run out. I don't know why you ever put all of that out in the press. I don't know either. I don't know
0: why we have a press. <laughs> Let's hide everything. We need to turn this into to it's a truly totalitarian un- truly regime. how much of
1: the humanity was left as part of the press corps.
0: <laughs> um, so during the press conference... She's hallucinating the snakes. Holds it together pretty well, actually. I know I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I didn't even think Lord about that. Lord knows I'd be going crazy. I'd be doing a as Baltar. <laughs> Don't you people see these snakes? What's going on here? But she plays it off so coolly because I think she realizes that she is having a hallucination because, like, logically, where would these snakes <laughs> have, have come, come from? from? Yeah. Like, all of it. you know, it, it's... Wh- it's not as though we we went through the snake part of the universe the
1: snake galaxy where they
0: you know they snuck on board you know that just doesn't happen but she holds it together somewhat and is able to to give this press conference um the uh, we're we're led to believe and as is right this is one of the side effects of the, the drug on. that she yeah. is on. It plays havoc with reality for her. Um, they find tilium. Unfortunately, there is a Cylon base sitting directly on it, yes. gathering that tillium. Worst luck in the galaxy <laughs> these people seem to have.
1: Um, well, at least they didn't get seen. Yeah, that's that true. could have been worse.
0: Yep, that's true. And the uh, they decide that they're gonna take the fight to the Cylons. Yeah, they're not gonna run. They're gonna say, you know what? This is what we need. This we have to have this in order to continue to survive. Now is the time for us to make this assault. Um, and so President Roslin starts meeting with this spiritual advisor mm-hmm. the preacher. we've seen her before she was there uh, when they buried um all of the people in the pilot yep and i think we may have seen her in like one other episode yes we have seen her at least one at a time um and she is listening to the president talk about this and she says president are you
1: are you serious with this are you playing with me you've are, read pythia
0: yeah do you know about this pythian prophecy um, about this, you know, spiritual about this leader, who, um, you know, is is going to lead this the the people to to Earth was it, but I can't that remember. she wasn't going to make it there herself, and she says, "Are are
1: you suffering from a wasting sickness?" <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Yes." Uh, well, the president uh, doesn't say anything. She just kind of is not she though? I thought she did. Wait, we maybe don't. She did. Not on camera.
0: Okay. Okay, um, so I, I love the, the mythology and how this is getting tied in. I'm just a huge fan of that. Now we have, you know, stepping over to planning the raid with Starbuck. Again, Starbuck's a genius. <laughs> um, well, I like that they actually address that right uh, yeah that's true they kind of did didn't they yeah and that their their method of dealing with it was look i've got all these people who went to
1: school to learn how to do this i need somebody who's not yeah and and, and actually to have uh both adama and ty challenge starbucks payment like i'm sorry when did you graduate from war college <laughs> Which, by the way, there needs to be a real war, a place called War College. I don't care what they teach. They could teach pacifist techniques for all I care. There should be an actual school called War College.
0: Oh, Awesome. Okay. So, guys, we get working on that. Um, Uh, The
1: the interesting thing that I got out of this, and it's actually probably the most interesting part of the episode to me, was this idea of unconventional thinking. mm -hmm. And to stop and think, you know, is is really is the key to unconventional thinking is it really as simple as i'm self-taught i don't have formal training so i didn't acquire the bad habits i had mm-hmm. to learn what actually worked and what actually didn't without having the formalized theory impede my ability to be creative about things
0: yeah i i think you know the the great idea with the formalized training is we're going to breed out the crazy, the stupid, the stuff that, you know, historically we know hasn't worked. But I, I think you don't necessarily, to have someone who hasn't had the training doesn't mean that they're better at it. As long as you have someone who critically thinks, then you have the right person. Because they they Kay. should be able to know, okay, yeah, you know, conventional wisdom tells us never to do this thing, but in this case, that's actually going to be the right thing to do because everybody knows that it's not conventional wisdom to do this, and it'll work to our advantage because of that.
1: So I'm ac- I'm actually kind of glad you you brought it up the way you that you, you answered it the way you did oh, because what you said was uh, I'm trying to remember the phrase that you used in there. Uh, whatever it was, it was the right way of saying it. It, it was something along the, along the lines of, um, okay, so we're going to breed out the crazy and we're going to teach people the right way to do things. Uh, I can't, again, I can't remember the phrase you used. There's a key phrase you used in there and I wish I could have kept it in my mind. But the the question is, by formalizing the question that's in my mind that I've been kind of rolling around and I don't, I haven't reached the satisfying conclusion yet is by formalizing the educational process, are we shutting the door on a branch of creative thinking because we're, we're, we're structuring things in a certain way and we're closing off other avenues. And yes, some of those avenues, there are very good reasons for closing them off. And I, I approve of, of capturing best practices and, and knowledge and, and passing that information on. Institutionalized you know, learning is, is just a great thing. But by doing that, by institutionalizing this stuff, by making it almost like it's a, a learning machine and we just have to turn the crank and smart people come out the other end, uh-huh. are we actually cutting off? avenues of thinking that could be advancing humanity you know
0: yeah i see the point that you're getting at which is you know a complaint that you've had regarding um the the educational system you know whether it be high school or college that you know you you know you're only teaching people how to get a grade instead of how to learn which is, I know, a big sticking point with you. Yeah, and,
1: and to be fair, I've never said that about college. I've wondered it about college. I said it about high school. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to college, so I don't actually have an opinion
0: there. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Good, good distinction. Um, I, I don't think that it necessarily absolutely means that because you formalize the training, you therefore are breeding out the, the critical thinker.
1: Okay. Oh, critical thinking. That's what I was looking for. Critical thinking? Thank you. That's the phrase. The the question is, by teaching things by rote, are we destroying the capacity for critical thinking? It's possible that you are. But, you know,
0: by teaching the critical thinking way, are you, you know, not teaching the stuff that does need to be done through rote? I, I, you know, it's, sure. it, it's a stupid comment for me to make. That no, 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 no. But because I, I, I had English classes that were less about let's teach you the mechanics of language, language of you know the the written language, and more about let's teach you how to analyze what this literature is trying to talk about. Okay, let's have a discussion. And it was so incredibly painful as my sophomore and freshman <laughs> and junior and senior english teachers had to literally drag me along the way to get me to start to th- have my brain go in those directions at least when it came to literature when you know when it, with things like math and history honestly no there there really wasn't much in the way of hey let's do some analysis here it's mm-hmm. you know usually that type of stuff is this is a hard fact.
1: Right. This is one what, it, by it, rote. what yeah.
0: it was. That's the rote stuff that needs to continue to stay in that regard. But the the other stuff, I, I would say just because you have the the university, the training facility, doesn't mean you would necessarily only say, Hey, we're just gonna teach it this way. Okay. I, I think Adama is taking or the riders through Adama are taking a cheap way out to say that oh starbucks is better in this case because she hasn't been in encha- enslaved or shackled with this um this is the right way you do things you don't attack someone in this way
1: because it's just wrong according to conventional thinking okay so uh, and so just to be just to be fair and cl- clear about where i was going with this is my problem historically has been with the way high school is implemented, not with the concept of institutionalized learning, but with the current implementation that's out there that we are interacting with all the time. And this episode made me start to think and wonder, maybe it is the concept that's the problem and it's not the implementation. Maybe the, the way we teach is more of a problem than the way we administrate the teaching process. Because historically it's been the administration of the teaching process that to me is the most frustrating part. But it got me thinking, and like I said, I haven't come to a conclusion yet, but it's got me thinking and and looking at the way I'm teaching my kids Mm -hmm. and the way I'm learning for myself and saying, maybe I need to be more aware of Taking other paths and trying alternate ways of doing things, and as you said, we certainly can try to teach critical thinking, yeah a- and I would say it it would be a far better skill to equip people with than a memorized list of of the former presidents of the United States of America or a memorized process of breaking an english sentence down into object and subject and verb and adverb and, and noun if we would teach critical thinking i think we'd be much further along than we really are well uh, before we go
0: on too much further you know just you know to in reference to your comments there i i love teachers I love everything that teachers do and what they stand I agree. Stand what I for. said was
1: it's the administration that I have a problem with.
0: Yeah, I well, wh- whatever Joey's trying to say over there, <laughs> I'm just in favor of teachers. You know, I, I don't want to cast yes. dispersions on teachers agree. like other people may have done.
1: There are some teachers that are, are absolutely honorable people that need to be praised.
0: Um, that being said, you know... Yeah, maybe there is a, a a way that we need to go about our teaching that focuses more on the 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 critical um, analytical nature of how we think through problems. But you know, how do you build a curriculum yeah. around that? become that starts to become the challenge. What I love looking back now, the way that we did it seemed to be through our our english my english classes in high school it w- it was tailor made it fit so well with with the way that they were doing this because you know you would read things and then okay let's talk about it mm-hmm. what's what's the author trying to say here what's what's the big idea that's being tried to come across what do you think about that idea do you agree with the author you know that's a really really good fit for it does it work in sciences yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe to some degree it can work in there. I know it worked in my agricultural I mean,
1: classes. Being forced to practice forming a hypothesis and testing it. And
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, with all of that said, um, I, I think we need more teachers, and I'm, I'm grateful for the ones we have, and uh, I, I don't think it's fair for you to judge them.
1: <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a very interesting... Project out there. I don't know if I've mentioned it before on the podcast. It's Khan Academy. Uh, It's actually run by a a nonprofit foundation, the Khan Foundation. And uh, it was started by a guy who was tutoring his cousins in math over the internet. They were struggling in school with math. And he was, uh, I want to say he was like a stock analyst or something. He was working for Goldman Sachs, obviously, very good at math. And so his family contacted and said, "Hey, can or at you least help
0: his computers work?
1: <laughs> can you help your cousins? Can you, can you tutor them in math?" And so he started out just like skyping them and, and tutoring them. And then at some point, somewhere along the way, he ended up because like he wasn't going to be available on the regular time or something like that. He ended up recording the tu- the t- the tutorial and putting it on YouTube and sending his cousins this link to YouTube and they the next time they spoke to him they were over the moon over his his youtube video saying we actually prefer <laughs> the youtube version of you to the real version of you and uh, and so he got thinking about why this was and doing some analysis and he, he he the conclusion he came to is that it allowed them to pause and replay and to you know if there's a concept they didn't get they can watch that piece of the video as many times as they needed to without feeling like they're holding the other cousin back or, you know. So so he started making all these, these videos and he initially just covered math from like basic addition all the way up to calculus. And at that point he realized this is a big enough thing. He had enough people because it became kind of an internet phenomenon. It, it became a big enough thing. He's like, you know what? I could be doing this full time. I could be presenting, recording content, presenting it, and coming up with this nonprofit foundation, the Khan Foundation, that is all about teaching people via online learning. And where they've gone with that in recent years, and this is this is being beta tested in actual schools right now. The principle is that the in the classroom there's a huge television screen that shows each student in the classroom, and it, and it shows them on a, on a progress chart. And as they get things done, the, their line, they have a little line that represents them, is moving from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen. And the teacher is just wandering around the classroom and, and observing. And she's watching this board, and she's watching the students. And as she gets a sense that, oh, Billy's having a problem. He's replayed this part of this video five times now, and he's still not passing the test because there are little quizzes at the end. mm mm-hmm. He's not passing the quizzes, and he's still watched it five times. Then she goes to Billy and helps Billy in a more personal way and and tries to come up with a way to help him with that principle that he's struggling with. And that may be actually a good way for us to get away from having the teachers have to teach the rote stuff and let the teachers focus on teaching the critical thinking skill.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that definitely could. The the only challenge is you have to have... There has to be on the other side of it someone actually wanting to watch the video. That that only works if the people are motivated enough to get involved at, at that.
1: Well, no. So they're they're level. doing this in school as that's what you do with classroom time, mm-hmm. like in school.
0: Yeah, I, I, that'd be great if, if it did work. I I don't know. I, I guess I don't get a enough sense for it. You know, I, I haven't yeah. done you know the the amount of study on it that that you you know clearly have <laughs> um but uh you know it, it's great when people can innovate and look for something else they're you know critically thinking through this particular challenge yeah to see what might work um so uh, that's kind of cool okay um, I, again, are, are you I... still a fan of the uh um the uh vocational type institutions where it's sure. Like, you know, it, if you're, it's clear you, that you plan on going into the drama field. Enough with the general high school. We're just going to push you into yes. a, a drama-oriented, get, get, getting,
1: getting away from, or giving at least having institutions that are not liberal arts colleges that are that are vocationally directed.
0: I mean, like at the high school level. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think my niece is. She's not at high school yet, but she is. She's
1: going to a magnet school.
0: I think she may be, yeah, because she uh, does softball a lot. As a matter of fact, they travel around. Wow, all over. I think they've been all over the country at various places, and and so my she's she's athletic. She's good, and so they they put her in that type of institution where the majority of it is working on the softball stuff. Plus, they are doing the the other. Um, Uh, educational
1: areas. Okay. I would worry about a little worry about one that's based around physical athleticism because that can fade and that can, you know, you blow your shoulder out and you're done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that that is so fickle. I, I, that, that would kind of scare me as a parent a little bit. I would just be, you know, as a parent, I'd be saying, Look, you still need to have a backup plan because your body is not going to be that young and resilient forever. It's all going to catch up to you at some point.
0: Yeah. And I assume that they, you know, sure. still, yeah. you know, have a, a pretty heavy curriculum, but you know eh, any okay. interesting. Interesting. Um, okay, so Tillium Base, uh taking the fight to the silence, Pythia. Planning the raid with Starbuck. Oh, Gaius, um, <laughs> God doesn't take sides; he just wants your love. Yes, um, which is a conversation he has with uh, Six. Um, you started laughing there. I have no idea why. Because again, I don't remember. So, this episode Ga- very Gaius
1: well. and Six are talking, and Gaius is like, "Well, so they they ask Gaius what." What should we be shooting at when we go into the space? And he's like, "Um." Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's turned like he's talking to head six in his mind. He's like, Hey, I'm going to need your help with this. He's like, I don't know anything about tillium mining. (laughs) He's like, Well, neither do I. And the conversation becomes well, ask God for help. Yeah. Give God your love and he'll help you.
0: That's right. And I've got a quote here where she says, He doesn't always speak in words. Yeah. Yeah, so he, um, which is great from uh, you know a religious perspective, uh, you know, the, sure. those of us that are religious that listen to this podcast, God really, for the most part, isn't coming to us and using words to speak to us. Sometimes I wish he would. <laughs> It'd <laughs> it be so much easier. It would. <laughs> uh, you, well, Joey admits it; he's a guyus.
1: <laughs> but the the interesting thing in that conversation was. Uh, when Geist is like, well, wait, so you're telling me I should ask God for help, but God's not going to want to help me blow up the Cylon base because he's the Cylon God. And she says, oh, well, you know, God doesn't pick sides, He just wants your love.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Good
0: stuff. So he does uh, point him at something. And um, it ends up being right, by yeah. the way. You know, <laughs> spoiler there. Um, next comment that I have is in the wait room okay where Commander Adama bursts the bubble yep. of uh, of Starbuck um, and she has to stay at home. She can't go out there and do it. she has to sit there and watch and it's kind of nice because uh, he Adama has a you know a little moment with her where he's able to say, look this is exactly the same thing I went through. Yeah, yeah, so th- this is good for you to to be able to to do this.
1: That was actually the thing that made me think, oh, Pete's probably not going to care for this episode because it is kind of Starbucks heavy in that aspect where the the implication is, and I don't know if they ever execute on this, but the implication I got there was hey Starbucks, it's time for you to start making the transition to management or to command staff. Mm. And the 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 quote that he gives her, um, let's see if I can find it here. Well, I didn't write down the exact quote, but I said, Commander Adama talks to Starbuck about the differences between being in command and being in the pilot's seat. Give me the pilot's seat. Uh-huh. I don't want to be in command. I want to be boots on the ground getting the job done.
0: Yeah, I because it's in your control so much more. Yes. Uh, I was listening to um, some analysts this week. I they were talking about the difference between coaches and players. Coaches have all the power basically until the game starts. <laughs> and then they have absolutely nothing. Yes. You know, they, they, all of their power is, you know, gone. It's but a figment. Um, because the, the players are the ones who are actually out there. And, you know, it's, it's a kind of a lonely place sometimes because, when everything goes wrong it's on you yeah and especially in war times because who are you going to blame the guy that just died <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> that doesn't work um but you know in regular work scenarios kind of in the one I'm in I you know have some management stuff that I do it's like trying to herd ducks sometimes working <laughs> with my developers because they don't always see things the right way. and it's.
1: <laughs> you mean they don't see them the way you see them? <laughs>
0: the, the right ways, yes.
1: Uh, you, you were right, Pete. This is going to destroy the
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, you and I aren't going to be on any project, right? Yes. You're just in a consultant's role. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see here. Uh, I have a note. Boomer is sick.
1: Yeah, um, are we supposed traveling- to believe that she's pregnant?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right, because she had the glowy back. It's only back. been, like, a couple of days. You don't get morning sick that fast. <laughs> Apparently, it's enough. Apparently, you know, for enough Cylons, time. you do. Yeah.
0: Um, And they're traveling to Delphi, which I thought was kind of cool, because, you know, the oracle at Delphi was a place. It was a thing. Matter of fact, it may have been one of the Seven Wonders of the World. Yes at one point the ancient ancient world world. Um, and I kind of like that you know that they're they're making this trek this travel to Delphi okay Um, it's just you know
1: it's like a week away (laughs) eight days she says eight to ten days Um, and the Cylons are chasing him down And, and Hilo is saying you know Isn't it weird that there are just no other humans around except for that one blonde chick that you killed? (laughs) And then he wakes up early in the morning when she elbows him in the face. Let me tell you how much fun that one is. (laughs) Anyway, so he wakes up because his nose is hurting. (laughs) And he hears the Cylons coming and he looks out the window and he's like, wait, what the? what's she doing here? I saw her dead. What's going on here, Boomer? And Boomer does not want to give him time to think about it. In fact, I think the Cylons are playing right into Boomer's hands here. By chasing them and hunting them so hard, they are preventing Hilo from having that moment to sit back and really analyze and say, boy, something's just not adding up here. Yeah. By constantly keeping the pressure on him, that they're they're feeding exactly into what Boomer wants to see happen.
0: Exactly. And uh, I... It's one of those things that I'm afraid of, you know, going back to my job as manager. I'm helping to oversee this particular website. I really only have the, you know, the two particular projects. But we have been going for so long, just going, 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 developing, developing, developing all the time that we have not had a chance to really sit back and do that critical analysis of, okay, are we going in the right Check direction the here? Is everything you know, being done right? Do we need to be making some suggestions to them that are really actually going to work out better than the course they're trying to force us down, which is, look, let's just make things better for us. Yeah. You know, this is what we want. So it's obviously, this is better, instead of you know, allowing us to think for a little bit of time and, and just come up with a better plan. Um and you're uh, that that's a really good point. That's my way of complimenting you, Joey.
1: Hey, thank you. That doesn't happen very often. Uh okay, the attack begins. Uh did you want to say anything about the the Adamas the night before a big mission? We kind of skipped over that part.
0: What was what happened it's there?
1: It's where uh Commander Adama finds Captain Adama awake and he's like, "Yeah, I could never sleep the night before a mission either." And he gives him the grandfather's lighter. That he carried oh, into.
0: Right. No, I didn't care. Okay. I, I mean, All I right. guess I didn't really. Did I write anything down about that? No, I don't I, think I, I didn't did. have
1: anything about it specifically. I just thought it's just, it is kind of a momenty moment. You know it's kind of one of those things that you know when you look back on your life you're going to remember that time with dad in the hangar bay before you went out on that big scary mission. <laughs> People can't see me cocking my arm there.
0: Uh you know if you want to make it that yeah go ahead. I I don't really like I said I I, I
1: I can't relate very well to a scene like that, but I just thought maybe there was something that should be said there. I guess that's what I said. I can't relate to it.
0: Good word, good saying. <laughs> um okay, so I have a quote here from somebody. Silence never asked us what we wanted.
1: Yeah. It's uh, uh, Starbucks saying, I didn't want to be put in command.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Adama saying, Adama's the silence never asked us what we wanted. Um, okay. It's going badly according to plan. <laughs> now, th- this is one of the frustrating things with TV because, you know, they want to hold that suspense about yep. what's going on. So we're left in the dark. But the real plan that's happening, you know...
1: Why is everyone else held in the dark?
0: Well, maybe they're finally getting wise about security (laughs) and realizing there might be holes, and so we're not going to tell everyone. The,
1: The funny thing to me was everyone's so surprised when the missile guidance systems don't work. And it just seems to me... At this point, shouldn't the default assumption be anything that uses a computer is my enemy until proven otherwise?
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> my, my thought here was: Is this the Death Star?
1: <laughs> yes, he does have a trench run, doesn't he? I actually wrote that down. It's, I enjoyed Lee's trench run, although I find the physics highly suspect.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's just believe that that's the way it really happened, and you know, be impressed with Lee. Um, the, I really, really loved the, the Celtic bagpipe music Mm. that was being done. It was inspirational, which is exactly what it was supposed to be. Really get our hearts pumping and going. And, uh,
1: then there's the big boom. What is wrong with us as, as a race that it's bagpipe music that they, that gets us going?
0: (laughs) I don't know. Uh, so the humans finally win one. Good for us. Yeah. Uh, we, we've we got the Tillian mine. All of the other Cylons are bugging out. They're just going to take off, which means that they're going to come back. So this isn't going to be some place that they're going to hang out for long periods of time. <laughs> okay, this I'm is glad you be, answered that. Uh, this is going to be... A, it has to be. This is going to be a get in and get out because, I mean, well,
1: here, they know the right part.
0: where they're at. It's a Cylon base. Yeah. So it's not as though it can suddenly become a human base.
1: Here's the thing that confused me is the president tells starbuck this will be enough to fuel us for a few years and so the question i have is okay how are they going to refine load store and ship that much titanium before the cylons come back to reinforce
0: um well they they just need to be able to they have enough for one more jump right okay. didn't they, they, they have had, enough, they had
1: enough for one last jump yeah
0: so they can jump away and be safe for a while. But the processing, yeah, is going to take a little bit of time. But remember, they have a tillium processing ship.
1: I don't know if I knew that. So they just load the raw ore into the tillium processing ship? Yep. Okay. I'll, I'll that, that's that. why
0: that when that tillium ship shows up so early on, it's literally like, well, that's convenient. <laughs> thanks for having that, you know,
1: okay. I do remember that now. It's when the, it's when we see the ship with the little girl on it that gets blown up.
0: I think so. Uh, All right. Yeah. Um, okay. So we go back to the, uh, the hangar bay, the hangar bay. Um, no, not the hangar bay. I'm going to present Rosalind. Oh, okay. And she's talking again to the, the spiritual leader and she's saying they were led by serpents Ten and two. And, you know, these were vipers yes. that were going and doing this. And I think there were twelve vipers that made the the run. So not okay. just not just the actual vipers that were like on her desk, the snakes yeah, that were you, there.
1: You. you think there were twelve ships. I don't remember or
0: not whether mm-hmm. there were um, i have to go back and count. Yeah. It, we, I, I do
1: have to say, I knew that. Adama was somehow—he was with the freighters. I knew that the second they showed us hot dog launching, because there's no way they show us (laughs) hot dog if Adama's available.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point.
1: Totally, they totally gave that scene away, in my opinion. Because like, I paused it as soon as they showed hot dog's face. Face. I paused it and I turned and I looked at my wife. She kind of looked at me. She said, "What?" I said, "Nothing." She said, "What are you thinking?" I said you'll see. (laughs) And then I hit play. And as soon as they said, oh yeah, you know, they started blowing the canisters off the, the trade ships. My wife paused it, reached up, grabbed the remote, paused it. And she's like, how did you know? (laughs) And I said, look, there's no way they show us hot dog unless Adama is somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my last
0: uh, comment here is a quote from Gaius where he says, after he's proven right that, you know, that was the Mm -hmm. thing they needed to blow up. He says, i am an instrument of god yeah and that's way cool
1: uh one other, just one other brief note that i want to mention is apparently starbuck never smoked adama's last cigar she gives it to lee
0: oh yeah yeah who cares
1: yeah <laughs> i just thought it was interesting that that's <laughs> sorry if
0: that did something you, for know, you it came
1: to lee <laughs> from his father by way of starbuck Listener comments.
0: uh yeah listener comments let's see if I can find them here oh right up there uh my friend John Madsen the hand of God this is the second best episode of Battlestar Galactica called the hand of God <laughs> that got your attention didn't it is,
1: was there one in the first se- series or something there was okay
0: yeah Yeah, this is not the first time that the hand of God has been used. Uh, Listener Bob says, This is an interesting episode. A mixture of action and really laying seeds for the plot of the series. Who knew that Starbuck was a strategic military genius? So we can add that to Hotshot Pilot, Awesome Marine, and Brilliant Cards Player. Oh, and Sniper. And Sniper. I mean... I think she's a great character, but this is too much. I also have to say that the whole cigar scene on the hangar deck after the destruction of Cylon Base is eerily like Top Gun. <laughs> or is that just me? <laughs> I think it's a great episode, one of the strongest of the first season. It gets an eight. That's all from me this week. Back to work with me. All the best, Bob. Um, Cool. Bob, thanks very much. Yeah. Good email, bud. Uh, let's see here.
1: If only your wife would quit slacking off.
0: Um, that was Joey that said that. <laughs> Joey. listener Brainy Smurf. He says, Hand of God. This one is pretty cool and a great debut for another strong element of the Battlestar Galactica writing staff for Thompson and Weddle. They worked with Ron Moore on DS9 One of them knows about fighter pilots and the other wrote a book about Sam Peckinpah. So they cover the military and the western sides. Anyway, pilots are crazy. My cousin is a fighter pilot and he told me that they got to wear these inflatable chaps while flying because when the human body endures all Mm -hmm. that G thrusting, all the blood goes to the feet and that's very bad. Yes, all uh, so these pants inflate around the legs to better distribute the blood to the brain and heart. Crazy. Anyway, this episode is fun. These writers sometimes annoy me with cheesy lines, but the but they come through with sweet battle tactics. And yay for Lee! I think that he is my second favorite character of the show, and this episode was a great pivotal moment for him and speaking of cheesy and the scottish adama theme was uh theme that bear provides is probably my least favorite (laughs) of his stuff it's a little too much especially with the singing but i suppose it works nicely with a great top gun style ending sci-fi nine tv7 keep up the awesomeness ambassador brainy smurf and I gotta go to a separate email for the final five. Oh, okay, all right. It's the final five down. Do 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 do. All right, all right. I hope I never heard do that again.
1: <laughs> I've got you recorded doing it, so I don't ever need you to do it again. you just never do anything Put it with underneath. That. The, oh, I have you as, hi, I'm Peter Nash. I'm running for president. And every <laughs> once in a while, I slip it into the front of a podcast. Because <laughs> I know you'll never catch me. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. I really won't. <laughs> uh, okay, number one.
1: What is head six? She is a projection of two, at least two, possibly more, different factions within the Cylon community. Okay. Number two. Why didn't Billy the Cylon
0: sabotage the Tillium heist? Could he be defecting?
1: Why didn't he sabotage the heist? You know, I think it's clear that... At least some of the Cylons are playing the long game here.
0: Do you think Billy... I'm going to throw this out there. It's not in the questions. But do you think Billy knows he's a Cylon? No. He's one of the ones that doesn't. Okay. Which would explain why he then wouldn't be trying to sabotage. He hasn't hasn't been
1: activated yet. They're they're leaving him there as a sleeper because he's more useful right now where he's at than stopping the attack on this one Tellium base that's probably not terribly critical to Cylon infrastructure. Right.
0: Number three, what do you think of Specialist Callie so far?
1: I like her. I think she's oh, Yeah, I think you said you'd started yeah, to like her. Yeah. She's, she's filling the hole that Boomer left in my heart. <laughs>
0: not as attractive hole though, right?
1: No, but uh, you know, I mean, a hole's a hole. <laughs> You'll plug it with whatever's handy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't remember. Is she a Cylon or not? No. Who is your favorite character so far? And I won't hold anything against you if you say Gaius Baltar.
1: <laughs> it's not Gaius Baltar. It won't
0: mean that you're a terrible human being because it's not he's an Resident. awesome character, regardless he is. of whether he's good or bad. That <laughs> character is just amazing. But he's not my favorite. Not your favorite. That's okay. Doesn't have to be your favorite. Is it uh, Billy? Is no. it D? Is uh, it Billy D? <laughs> no, it's none of those. Again, sorry to everyone <laughs> for having done that.
1: Uh, it might be Billy D. Williams. What episode is he in? <laughs> uh, um. So I'm kind of. I'm. I'm like, okay. Adama's a good. I, one. I, I, I mean, do like Starbuck quite a bit. Uh, but I don't know if I can say she's my favorite. I do like
0: Commander Oh, let me Adama. ask you this: Who's better? Uh, who's more attractive, Ellen Ty or Starbuck? Ugh. <laughs> I'm sorry for everyone in his ears. I just coughed at you. <laughs> what a great reaction. You guys couldn't see the revulsion on his face.
1: Do I have to pick one? <laughs> I'm making you, yes. It's critical for the plot. You know, I'm going to go with Starbuck just because... Ellen is such a train wreck <laughs> in every other aspect. At least Starbuck can do something useful with herself. All right, yeah, good point. Okay. Um, you know, I think I'm gonna say Commander Adama, but it's a thin, thin victory over Starbuck.
0: Over Starbuck, okay. Yeah.
1: I, I really like the character Starbuck. Don't care for the woman. Not present Rosalind uh, in there as no, one of your favorites. She'd probably she'd maybe not wife's even be favorites, in my, I bet. Could be. I don't think Rosalind even breaks my top five, though.
0: Okay, fair enough. Okay, good one. Number five. By the way, Brainy, we need to get Joey to uh, do another list of who his Cylons are. Maybe uh, towards maybe towards the end of the season. Okay, you give us your you know. Okay, here's my Cylon list going in, in the
1: season wrap up.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. that might be a good fit for it. Okay, number five. This one's gonna to be tough to read because he put some weird explanation in there, so I hope you're able to follow okay. along with it. Gaius's Cylon detector takes eleven hours to complete. Gaius also indicates that the test analyzes on a subcellular level. So why we will call this is an aside right now okay. inside the question. We will call him, her, it, them, the Mr. Burns Cylon. Why would Mr. Burns go to such levels to make the Cylons so human-like if he, she, it, them, they, her hates humans
1: so much? I feel like I already answered this one last podcast. It's been three weeks.
0: What do, you th- what do you say again? So
1: my, my answer was both the Cylons – well, it's all about in the image of God. Okay. Humanity was made in the image of God, the God of this fictional universe. And the Cylons know and believe that. And therefore in their religion, the height of achievement for them – would be to become more like their god mm. and to be more human. And this, the more human they can become, the more godlike they become. And, and it also – I think that the, what we saw with Leoben, I, I feel like – again, this is the parts that I choose choose to pick a, and and believe in out of what he said lead me to think – Yes, that's why he endured the torture that he endured even though at any point he could have broken out of there because feeling that suffering meant he's more human. It allowed him to to feel what it is to be human and to and to participate in that that human condition
0: even though there's some faction, some you know, could be small, could be big faction of Cylons that hate the humans.
1: They hate them, but that doesn't I mean it's never happened before to humanity, right? Where people hate something and yet desire to be more like it. It, You know, it's, it's actually, especially for truly mentally unstable people, it's not all that uncommon to both hate and love something at the same time.
0: Yeah. Gollum. Yeah.
1: You know, the precious. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Okay. Those, uh, those are all the emails. Everybody. Thank you very much for sending in emails. Um, and and for your patience in us eventually reading them,
1: science fiction and television ratings. We're not done yet. Oh, I thought you were wrapping up. I'm sorry. No, we're okay. done with emails. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were heading to the end of the podcast there. <laughs> no. I'm like hold on
0: there, Mister Peter. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to thank the people who you know bothered to take well, the time. Go ahead and thank Bob them. Brainy, uh, my friend John Madsen, uh, John Line and uh, listener M. Yeah. uh listener him always he's got like three or four emails he usually <laughs> sends I don't always read them all because some of them more seem like what he he would normally p- post up on like the Facebook page okay. you know he sent me uh, little videos and audio clips here and there but uh, we really appreciate all of your guys's you know participation you make it fun for us so thank you. Um, we haven't gushed about you guys enough lately. And, and so. if you're
1: out there and you're listening and you just don't feel like you have anything to say, That's okay. even just dropping us a line to say hi and, and what maybe you tell us what you like about the podcast or, you know, how you found us any, anything at all. It makes it more interesting for us as hosts to, to realize, you know, where our reach is going and that people are listening and that they are enjoying.
0: Yeah. Uh, anything that points out where Joey is wrong or it is, it is or always welcome. We're not doing things right. <laughs> I can never get enough of that. <laughs> uh, okay, Joey, science fiction rating. Uh, I give this one a five. Uh, I give this an eight. Okay. I, You know, we get to see a space battle that's all planned out, um, even though it is reminiscent of the Death Star. <laughs> we do get to see the Lee piloting around. Um, and again, we're weaving in this mythology into the science fiction story and it's working. Yeah, you're right. It's fitting. So that's why,
1: that's why I like it. For television, I gave it a six. I think this is nice action. You know, we haven't seen a, a good palate cleansing episode like this, in my opinion, since 33. It's been a pretty heavy season. And, and this kind of cleanses the palate and gives the audience a, a, a chance to catch their breath before, I'm sure, the roller coaster to the bottom of season <laughs> one starts.
0: You're just mentally preparing yourself? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I am going to give this uh, a nine uh, for wow. television. I thoroughly enjoyed this. It's, it's fun in areas. It's exciting. It's a battle. It's just great for me. It fits on so many different levels, and I love what they they brought in every regard, so uh, definitely a 9 for me.
1: Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices, and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at homestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5 Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening.
0: So good to see you again.